Hello and welcome to the Art of Communication podcast with me, Robin Kermode. Have you ever wished you could become a confident speaker or presenter? Then why not join my online masterclass, Speak So Your Audience Will Listen. In 10 easy-to-follow modules, you can become a confident and authentic speaker. For more information, visit robinkermode.com. Hello, it's Sian Hansen here, again with another podcast with Robin Kermode. Hello. And today we're going to talk about silent communication, the inner voice. The inner voices that we all have. So, Sian, do you have inner voices in your head going on? Well, yes, I do. Um, but it's a crazy mixture, really, of memories and questions and doubts and fantasies. Won't tell you more about those. <laughs> um, which, is it really what you're talking about, is it? Well, no, that's still the inner voice, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you can be walking down the road and smell newly cut grass and you go, mm. oh, I remember that smell. And suddenly it takes you back. You're yeah. not going to walk down the street and say that out loud. So what is an inner voice? Well, the inner voice is the voice you have with yourself, an intrapersonal communication with yourself. Right. So it could be self-talk, which is mm. a conversation just with yourself, yourself talking to yourself almost. Or it could be an inner dialogue where you're imagining a conversation with you and somebody else. Oh, okay. So it can be many voices in your head. Could be many voices. Not just it, your own. No, exactly. It could be other people's voices. It's all going on in your head. Yeah. And you're not actually verbalizing it. Right. It could be a conversation to yourself, or it could be a conversation imagined with other people. And what are you trying to do? You're trying to solve a problem. I think we are trying to solve a problem generally, yeah. or sometimes just beat yourself up, which is not helpful, of course. Okay, so for the sake of this podcast, which is all about communication, I think what we're really interested in is the dialogue in your head where you're worried about something. How do you simplify this? Because actually, it's quite complicated when you think about it. Well, I think there are three basic types of inner voices. There's judgment. And that's normally a self-judgment, you know, the little person on your shoulder saying, I'm not sure you're good enough, that kind of thing. Right. Then I think there's cynicism, and that's, I'm not sure this is going to work anyway. So one is actually about yourself, one is about the other people. Right. And then there's just basic human fear. I think actually fear is probably the most likely. I mean, there's probably a lot of dialogue when you're just about to make a speech or have a difficult conversation. Mm. There's a lot of fear. But then yeah. on the other hand, having said that, You've told me a million times that actually self-doubt can cripple people in a conversation. Well, self-doubt can in a job interview in many situations. It's not great. If you're taking a penalty kick or you're serving for a final in a tennis match, yeah. that fear of what if I get this wrong mm. is probably going to make it go wrong. But I think that's something we understand, but we have to find ways around that. So let's talk a little bit about that inner voice of judgment. Mm. You mentioned judgment. So that inner voice of judgment, we've all had it. I certainly have, where I'm just about to have a difficult conversation with somebody and then I suddenly have a moment of doubt saying, do I know everything? Have I prepped well enough? Am I going to get a funny reaction? Yes. And I'm really doubting myself. Mm. What would you do? Well, there are a couple of things you can do here. One is to refocus on why you're doing it, why you're having that conversation, why you're giving this presentation. So okay. rather than thinking, yes, I don't think I'm good enough or I don't know enough or something like that, thinking what I really want to do is just to inspire this person or motivate this person or challenge them, pitch to them, persuade them. Yeah. So if we focus on our intention, what is our intention when we go into that mm -hmm. room to do that, actually our focus is on that, which means the outcome is much more likely to be that than focusing on your demon, yeah, the demon, your the self-judgment on the shoulder. And is there anything else? I think you can take action. 
Maybe that might be you do some breathing exercises. If you find yourself going too fast, you think, okay, I'm going to center myself. Maybe you're going to do some physical exercises. Maybe you're going to play some music. I don't Mm. know. Maybe you're going to play some uplifting music or some calming music. And also, if you know you're prone to getting very hot, for example, then don't wear very heavy clothes because then you don't want to be standing there sweating, for example. Make sure that you're as comfortable as possible. So make yourself feel really, really comfortable. That's about taking action. Mm. And then I think, Robin, there's one thing that you always so sweetly do. I've seen you do it so many times when you think that this person is, has a bit of self-doubt, you give them a token. I do. And I've done this with clients, actually. And it's a stone. And I don't know what our listeners feel about this or not, but stones have energy in them. Mm-hmm. And there's a wonderful stone called hematite. And mm-hmm. hematite is a stone for confidence and for particularly inner confidence, actually. Oh, right. So really, really good against the doubt of inner voices. Mm -hmm. And I have a little bag of hematite, actually, a little bag of stones. I give them to people if they need them. Mm. My ones are just about the size, probably, of a coin. And it would Mm. fit inside your pocket. It would fit inside your palm, actually. Mm. So you could hold it. And there's something very cooling about the stone as well. Is that a pocket robin? Is that what you're saying? Is that a pocket robin? <laughs> robin in your pocket. Robin in your pocket. But I do it myself. And funny enough, I was giving a talk the other day and halfway through, I mm. put my hand in my pocket and I thought, oh, there's the hematite there. And I just held it. And just knowing it was there, weirdly, mm. gave me a bit more confidence for the second half of the speech, just because it was there. It's rather like an invisible cloak of confidence. <laughs> it's, it's really, I, I'm just saying. Hey, I'm not laughing. I think this is a great idea. In fact, I have hematite. I don't keep it in my pocket. I keep it in my handbag. Right. And I just feel really confident that it's there if I ever need it. Yes. But I remember you have said to me, when you've had some potentially difficult conversations, you have mm. said to me, I think I'm going to take the hematite today. Oh, no question. Yeah, yeah. no question. Or there was a lucky cat. Do you remember? There was a little cat you used to hand out. Can I just say, the little cat, by by the way, was a little cat. Yeah, it wasn't a real cat. No, no, it was about the size of my little finger. It wasn't a real cat stuffed in your pocket. It was a little wooden cat. (laughs) Listen, judgment, that little demon on your shoulder that's telling you you're not good enough, actually bleeds into the next topic, which you mentioned, which is, where you're looking at your audience and you're already judging them. I think you call it cynicism. But yes, you're already cynical of them. Yeah. Or cynical of their response. So you think, well, what is the point? They're not going to listen to me. Oh, you already think you know what they're going to think of you. Yes. And so that's not helpful. Or maybe you think they come with a certain set of beliefs that you can't change. I mean, I remember as a child wanting my father to agree to something. And like most parents, quite often they say no for all sorts of reasons. (laughs) And they might well say no because they're trying to protect you. Mm. It's very annoying when you're a teenager and you say, but can I do this? And they go, no, it's not a good idea. And you Mm. go, I know it's not a good idea, but I really want to do it because I'm a teenager. And normally you're getting angry now. And you you always say that. I know you always say that. And you think, well, I could ask dad, but he's just going to say no anyway. So what's the point? Mm. So, you know, you try and play your mother off against your father and all those things that (laughs) teenagers do. But the clever way, I think, is to put ourselves into the position of the person we're talking to. So there's probably a reason that somebody else has a particular belief system. Mm. And it may be, let's be generous here, assuming that the father in this case is trying to protect you. So you could go and have the conversation and be very cynical and say, well, I know you're going to say no, but I'm going to ask if I can do this thing. And you, I know you're going to say no, so what's the point of asking you? Mm. Well, that's not going to get the result you want. No. But if you said, look, I understand that you want to keep me safe. And I understand mm. all these things, and I mm. completely understand where you're coming from. But I wondered on this occasion if you could just make an allowance. Because you're listening to what you think their belief system is, and mm. they're much more likely then, I think, to see your point of view. Mm. So you're deploying what you've always talked about, which is use your listening skills. Yes. But I think you're also hinting at, Robin, acknowledge 
what their skill set is. In other words, if you're talking to an audience, let's say, of doctors, mm. you should be cynical, shouldn't you? You should be cynical because you shouldn't tell them about anything medical, should you? In that sense, cynical is probably not quite the right word in that context. I'm yeah. not cynical of them, but yeah. I'm possibly cynical saying, well, I don't think they'll listen to me because they know more than I do. Yeah. Yes. So how do you deal with that? Well, I remember once I was asked to give a talk to all the top head teachers in the mm. United Kingdom. And I thought, OK, I'm giving them a talk about how to give a talk. Well, what's their mindset here? Mm. And I'm thinking, well, why would they listen to me? Because they don't know who I am. They, yeah. who, who is this Muppet? I don't know who this person <laughs> is. And, and I give talks all the time because I'm head of this big school. I talk to parents and teachers and pupils and things. So I thought I have to address that, rather like addressing the elephants in the room. But essentially, I'm putting myself in their mindset. So I came out and I said, it's great to see you all. But I realized, of course, there's nothing I can teach you because you're good at this. And all of them, I looked at their faces and they all kind of went, mm, yes, we are actually. And then I said, but what I might be able to do is to articulate how you connect with your audience in such a way that you can go back to your pupils and you can tell them how to be better. And I could see them think, oh, that's a very good idea. So I bypassed what might have been my cynical judgment of where their mind is. Yeah, which sounds like a good idea, because what you're basically saying is listen. Listen and be open. Don't come with a mindset, which as we get older, don't we, we kind of, we solidify in that I am experienced and I should know better than you. And I think the trouble is, I mean, you would certainly agree with this, the way the world is going is we're becoming much more sectorized in politics, in behavior, that people have certain in belief society. systems. In society. So everyone has a belief system. I'm right. You follow me, I'm right. You don't follow me, you're wrong. That's opinion. You see, yes. people are mixing up opinion. Sorry, I'm getting quite serious now. But, no, but no, people right. are mixing up opinion with truth. Mm. Now, you may have an opinion. But my truth is my truth. No, well, And your yes. truth is your truth. Yes, but really deep down, unless you have facts and figures mm. and everything, we're expressing our opinion. What's happening, I think, in the world, and many, many writers are writing about this, is opinion is now being taken as fact. In other words, if you don't agree with me, you must be the other. It's us exactly. and them. Exactly. And, and the trouble is that our inner voice confirms that. So our inner voice goes, I'm coming from this standpoint because I know I'm right yes. before I even say anything. Yes. And that's not helpful if we're trying to persuade another group of people to believe something differently. Exactly. Or to think about something differently. And what you're saying is there's a chance for you to be open, mm. be curious, mm -hmm. and then actually some magic will happen. Totally. But the opposite of magic, of course, is the fear. Yes. I think this is the biggest category. So your inner voice is so fearful. You're not actually being mean to yourself in your head, yes. but you're saying, oh my God, what if I get cancelled after I say this? Well, that's a big worry now yeah. in, or what in if, public life. Yes. What if I fall flat on my face? Or what if people laugh at me? Or yeah. what if I look like a fool? What if I get fired as a result of what this? What if I get fired? President? No, I mean, it's, you know, no, all no, these it things. happens. So can you just give us the top tips for dealing with your inner voice that's all about fear? The biggest thing about fear is that it's only about survival. It's not actually about creating something interesting or succeeding. Mm. It's just about mitigating failure. Okay. So if we concentrate on fear, all we're ever going to do is not die or <laughs> not get it wrong. Or not Which is normally foolish. not the outcome that not the, the outcome situation is setting the bar in. quite low. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So instead of thinking about what if it goes wrong and the fear, we think about courage. Mm -hmm. We may fail, but we have the possibility of success. Right. So the only thing that works is courage. You know, what's the, the great slogan? Just do it. 
Right. But the consequences could be quite difficult. So I think you do have to have an inner dialogue with yourself. Well, this is what I do anyway. I don't have an inner voice, but I have a pencil and a piece of paper. Right. And I use mind mapping. You so, do? I've seen you do that. Yeah. Yes. So before I stand up and say what I want to say. Or have a difficult conversation. Or have a difficult conversation. I do the mind map where I go, if this is how they react, then this is what I'm going to say. If this is another way they're going to react. That, right. you know, and you have a branch. series of arrows going in different branches. I do, yes. I do, to try and figure out before I go into it. It's almost like those great presenters who already know the answers to the expected questions. Yes. You've already answered the questions in your head. Well, it's like in a court case, mm. barristers are always told, never ask a question that you don't know, don't the, know answer the answer to. to. <laughs> so you have to know what's going to come. No, no, you Otherwise, to. you can be thrown. Yeah. So if we go back to the fear, mm. you're saying you mitigate it simply by picking up the pieces and showing courage. Because that's the only way that you can possibly succeed. Yes, you might fail, but at least you have the possibility of success. No, but the other way, you have no possibility of success. So actually, we just have to almost train our minds and say, look, there's just no point. I had one which I shared with you at the time because I, I still think about it, Robin. Mm. I'm mortified. I was giving a speech. In the middle of it, I started crying. I mean, genuinely crying. I was but mortified. Truly emotional. Yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. And I was mortified. And I still kick myself about that. I still do. You know, in order to offset those lingering, even after the speech, mm. these lingering doubts I have, I stick up post-it notes all over mm. my mirror. And those post-it notes say, I am great. I mean, this is, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. But they're positive affirmations. No, positive that many affirmations people will have them. Yeah. all over my mirror. You'll find I've them on got the, this. I can do this. Uh, yeah, you'll find stuff, them yeah. on the fridge and, yeah. and things like that. But I notice, because we live together, right? I notice you're not a fan of those. You don't do that. Well, it's not that I'm not a fan of them, and I think sometimes they're really helpful, uh, mm. really helpful. I tend to, with clients, put themselves in a, a space mentally where they feel great. If, for example, I say to somebody, so where do you feel most relaxed? Because mm. clearly at the moment you don't feel relaxed going into this presentation or pitch. But where do you feel most relaxed? And they say, oh, when I'm walking along the riverbank with my daughter. Right. And I go, okay, great. So just before you walk in the room, just before you walk on stage, you close your eyes and you go, okay, I'm walking along the riverbank with my daughter. For me, that puts you in a nice state, the right, the state you want to be in. Mm. The trouble, I think, with affirmations and, and personal statements like that is we're slightly implying, I've got this, I'm brilliant at this, better at this than you. The lack of humility is not helpful. So you're saying it changes the status. You always talk about that. You change the status mm. with your audience? Yes, we've got to have equal status with the audience. There was a, a thing a few years ago, wasn't there? it was sort of power stance. A lot of politicians were saying, power stance. You know, <laughs> it's rubbish. It's absolutely terrible. Right. So, I mean, I, I shouldn't say it's terrible. I personally don't like it. But a lot of people will say, I look in the mirror and I go, <clears throat> like a tiger or something, in the mirror. And then they feel powerful in that way. So that's their inner voice coming out. <laughs> it's the inner voice coming out. But I don't want my clients anyway, to stand in front of an audience and feel powerful over them. Maybe, Robin, it's just power over your fear. So power over your fear is fine. And however you do it, I'm not knocking it. I'm just right. saying I think there are subtler ways. Mm. But I think ultimately we want to focus on why are we doing what we're doing, have some action points to do some breathing or go for a walk outside or play some music or whatever, and maybe hold a piece of hematite or whatever mm. it is. So we have some of these actions we can take. Mm. We focus on those Actually, we tend not to focus so much on the fear. No, no, fair enough. And I think what we're actually saying is be open-hearted and don't be judgmental straight away because someone's already doing it in their head. They you know? are. <laughs> and talking about that, what's interesting about that is you can be giving a speech or a presentation, whatever, and mm. you can look at the group of people in front of you. They're all looking at you. You assume they're all listening to you. 
Mm. Actually, probably 50% of them have an inner voice going on in their head. Or some of them will be going, when is this person going to stop talking so I can go for some lunch? <laughs> you look at them and you think they're listening to you. Mm. But they could be saying, it's my partner's birthday, I haven't bought a birthday card. And what I'm thinking is, I like her shoes. <laughs> and I wonder where she got them. Well, no, but those are inner voices, exactly. <laughs> so however good you are when you're pitching or presenting or persuading, mm. those inner voices will be in other people's heads. Mm. Right? So our job, in a way, is to stop our own inner voices, focus on why we're there, what is mm. our intention, and hopefully get them to stop their inner voices so they listen to us. Do you know what? If we verbalised all our inner voices, it would be incredibly noisy in the room, wouldn't it? It would also be very humbling because I suspect if people told us the truth of what they actually thought about us, yes. we wouldn't be quite so confident. <laughs> Robin, thank you so much. Another fantastic conversation. Sorry, I, I was, my mind was somewhere else. I had an inner voice going on. Sorry. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Have you ever wished you could become a confident speaker or presenter? Then why not join my online masterclass, Speak So Your Audience Will Listen. In 10 easy-to-follow modules, you can become a confident and authentic speaker. For more information, visit robinkermode.com.